Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the Premier Radio Networks on Saturday, April 30th, 2011. This is episode 765. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here. The Tech Guy, and it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all that jazz. <laughs> I have to say that because we've got some new stations uh, joining us today. We always are glad as we slowly expand the Tech Guy network. I think I can safely call it the Tech Guy network now. hundred, I think it's uh, 142 stations and XM satellite radio. That's that's a couple of uh, that's a couple of stations there. So um, I think it's today. I may be wrong, and if it is, if I am wrong, correct me. That we launch on Fox News Radio eight ten in uh, Franklin Hart and Madison, Wisconsin, and uh, so so we welcome them to our Tech Guy Network. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Uh, and I tell everybody that the number is 888-827-5536. That's kind of hard to remember, so maybe the best way to remember that would be 8888-ASK-LEO. We also welcome WISSAM in uh, Berlin, Wisconsin. They don't like to say it that way. See, that's one of the things you got to do. You can't say, oh, it's W-I-S-S. When I was first starting in radio so many moons ago, 35 years ago, 35 years ago, uh, you know, we always had to do the call letters and the city of origin at the top of the hour, the legal network ID. I guess you still have to do that, right? But now, it, you know, so we'd always say, I started in college radio, it was W-Y-B-C-F-M New Haven. That's a mouthful. So I could say hello to WISS, but I think I'd rather say hello to Big Red AM 1100. Isn't that better? That sounds better. Big Red AM 1100. And to all the stations up and down the Tech Guy network. Um, boy, there's, there's, uh, it's, tech news is just, I guess, is it the time of year or it's just things are happening faster and faster? There's so many interesting stories. I'll tell you one of the ones that maybe isn't that meaningful, but really catches the eye, at least for me. Apple and Microsoft announced their uh, quarterly earnings this week. Um, Google did last week. And all the companies are doing well, thank you very much. I mean, you know, we, don't have to, we don't have to say anything about that. Despite the downturn in the economy, the tech industry is doing very, very well. But here's what's significant about Apple and Microsoft. Microsoft's income was $5.23 billion on a total revenue of $16.42 billion. So they made $5.23 billion in three months. 
Eh, wow. That's almost, uh, you know, two billion a month. That's awesome. And, and for so long, they've led the pack in profits because, well, really, what does Microsoft make? They sell bits. Once they've written the operating system or the office suite or the networking system, you know, there's no manufacturing costs, especially less these days. You, you don't even have to print CDs anymore. People just download it. So it's all profit once you do the R&D, right? So, of course, they're pretty profitable. $5.23 billion. Apple which makes hardware, $5.99 billion. For the first time ever, Apple had more profit than Microsoft in a quarter, more than $700 million more profit. $24.67 billion in revenue. So yeah, their margin is not as high, but they had so much more revenue. They sold so many iPhones and iPads and, and even Macintoshes. You know the the desktop and laptop computers that uh, they made more money in this quarter. That's uh, that's kind of amazing. I know it's it probably isn't that significant, but it but I guess it does point out how well micro, uh, Apple's doing because Microsoft is traditionally just the king of profits. And as we look at the stats, you know, I we talk a lot about uh, the fact that Android phones are starting to catch up with iPhone and. Of course, Macintosh has always been a small part of the total overall PC market. But if you look at the numbers, market share for the for the OS X operating system and for is growing rapidly. Although I have to say, Microsoft, what did they what did they say? They sold I have to find the number. 350 million copies of Windows this year. <laughs> Windows 7. <laughs> kind of amazing. Kind of remarkable. The other big, 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 big story that's been going on all week, and I'll talk more about its implications, of course, is the fact that the PlayStation Network, Sony's PlayStation Network, was hacked. Hacked to the point where Sony took it offline, and it's still down as they try to figure out what happened. And maybe you got an email from Sony, if you've ever created an account on the PlayStation Network, you did, saying... There, by, there, by the way, at least some states, I know this, the state of California and other states require that Sony notify people if private information, personal information has been leaked. This is the email I got. Valued PlayStation Network or Curiosity customer. Curiosity, I'm sorry. Curie, spelled with a Q, that's why I'm confused. Q-R-I-O-C-I-T-Y. We have discovered that between April 17th and 19th, 2011, certain PlayStation Network and Curiosity service user account information was compromised. That's the word they use. Compromised in connection with an illegal and unauthorized intrusion into our network. We're not sure, by the way, how that happened, but the thinking is perhaps even a hacked PlayStation 3. To, in response to this intrusion, Sony goes on to say, we have, one, temporarily turned off PlayStation Network and Curiosity Services. They're still off, and they may be off for a long time. Two, engaged an outside recognized security firm. It's a good thing. You wouldn't want to use an unrecognized security firm. Recognized security. That makes me laugh, too. I don't recognize you. Security firm to conduct a full and complete investigation of what happened. That's the what? part. And three, quickly taken steps to enhance security and strengthen our network infrastructure by, 
<laughs> rebuilding our system. That means we're taking it offline and we're tearing it down and we're starting from scratch because we have no idea what the heck happened. What did they get, the bad guys? Well, um, we believe, according to Sony, that an unauthorized person has obtained the following information. You provided name, address, city, state, zip, country, email address, birth date, PlayStation Network, Curiosity, password, and login, and handle, and PSN online ID. It's um, also, yeah, it's also possible your profile data, including purchase history and billing address, and your PlayStation Network, Curiosity, password, security answers may have been obtained. Yeah. Um, it's also possible, maybe they got your credit card number. We can't rule that possibility out, so we advise you to contact your local credit reporting bureau, which they give you a phone number for, and uh, put a fraud alert on there just in case. Some people have gone so far as to say, I'm going to cancel that credit card. Probably that, you know, it's not a bad idea. You certainly, certainly should pay attention to your statement. See, I signed up when I got up. I have two PlayStation 3s. I have no idea when I signed up for the PlayStation Network. I'm sure I did because you kind of do that when you get the thing. And I don't know if I gave it a credit card. I can't remember. I think I did. But I can't log in to find out. So I don't know. I don't even know if I had gave him a credit card. It would have been a few years ago. I don't even know if it's still active. I don't know what credit card I gave him. Yeah, you you might want to. You might want to call somebody and maybe check that. Yeah, we we might have lost every bit of information we know about you. The reason it's significant, first of all, is, well, I mean, it's obvious why it's a big deal for you and me. Significant that a big company like Sony was doing things like storing password information in the clear. This isn't it hasn't been good security procedure for decades. We'll talk more about it. 8888 Ask Leo. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, I'm chat room this. Uh, trying to figure it out, too. If the PlayStation Network is down, does that mean you can't play any new games? The game has to be authorized before you could play it the first time? Wow. That's pretty bad. <laughs> that means you, can't, you cannot buy uh, a PlayStation 3 game now, right? Because you couldn't. Even if you bought it in the store and you had the DVD and everything, you can't play it because you can't authorize it. Is that right? Wow. That's not so good. And then the, another person in the chat room has sent me uh, the chart of the day from the businessinsider.com. Uh, Microsoft's online operating income. So Microsoft, you know, they, they had a, a decent quarter. I mean, they made billions of dollars, more than $5 billion in three months. But one of the reasons they didn't make more, in fact, maybe this accounts for the $700 million jump Apple got on Microsoft, is their loss online. Microsoft in this quarter lost $725 million online. If you go back to September 05, they were making money, almost $100 million. 
and then down, down. The graph is kind of depressing, a steady drop. Now, you have to understand what that is. They're spending a lot of marketing money on Bing. You've seen the ads for Bing. That's where that money goes. And it's worth it. It's worth it to spend money on Bing because uh, if you can take even... Now, my friend Jason Calacanis, who's a search entrepreneur and a, an expert on this, has told me that for every 1% of the search market you can get, you can make a billion dollars a year on. That's how valuable that search is with ads. So, bing, it's worth spending a couple of hundred million or 700 million or whatever. It, hey, <laughs> what was it said? A, mil, a hundred million here, a hundred million there starts to add up after a while. It's worth spending that money. Microsoft's in deficit spending mode, of course, because they want to build bing into a Google you know, competitor. And if they can you know, gain 5% on Google uh, by doing so, well, that's worth $5 billion. They'll make that money back PDQ. And they have been gaining some market share, but only by dint of extreme advertising. Do they still do those Bing ads? I didn't like them. You've seen the ones, right? They're very confusing. You feel like something's wrong with these people. They just start, you know, spewing search terms i'll find one and play it for you 8888 ask leo that's the phone number while i'm finding that let's go back to the phones or go to the phones first time today so it's not back uh gary in los angeles your first leo laporte the tech guy hi gary hi leo how are you i'm wonderful how are you great great i have a question i've got an extra pc and i wanted to use it as an answering machine so I- oh for um, software that'll you know do caller ID, message recording, call screening, and maybe it ain't, it ain't really the software you need; it's the hardware. Oh, and now um, there are several ways to do this. You know, we used to do it all the time. Remember those old U.S. robotics uh, modems that had voice, the voice modems? They could do that. They had they had a call center software and all that stuff. And because people still use dial-up a lot, um, you know, that was a very popular solution. But uh, nobody uses modems anymore. So I don't think U.S. is U.S. Robotics even in business anymore. I think Cisco bought them. I don't even know if they still make. So in other words, good luck trying to find a voice modem. That's what you. That's one thing that could help you with this. Um, the uh, I think uh, Zycel is the only company still making these, and they're really expensive. However, I've got another solution for you. Okay. It's called Asterisk. Now, this is even more super duperty, superty duper. Um, what Asterisk is, is an open source, that means free, very powerful PBX system. Um, you know what PBXs are? They're the, the office phone systems where it's not just an answering machine. It's you know multiple extensions and voicemail boxes and all this stuff. Now, of course, you could set it up to very simply be a single line and all of that. But it could do a lot more. So if you have a PC and you and you want a good, I think there are a lot of businesses do this. In fact, my new studio that we're building, we're going to use Asterisk, but we're not going to host it. We're going to go to a solutions provider that does a hosted version. But it's extremely powerful. But even if you have just one landline coming into your home, you would need a landline, of course. And then you have internet. It combines landline and, and voice over internet to do some very sophisticated stuff the way what i would do is get a tricks box which is a kind of 
um, asterisk distribution that's kind of pre-built for you. T-R-I-X-B-O-X dot com. And then uh, you do need a little bit of hardware because you need an interface to the phone. In the old days, it was that U.S. Robotics voice modem. But uh, if you're using asterisks, asterisks or trick box, tricks box, you can. Um, they, they, there's plenty of hardware, inexpensive, relatively expensive hardware available to do that. Digium is the company that makes asterisk, D-I-G-I-U-M. And uh, they sell they sell little interface cards that will put it go in a slot in your PC. You plug in your phone line, and then you can do all of it. I mean, this is a lot more complicated. It's not that expensive. In fact, it's cheaper than buying a Zycel voice, voice modem, but it's a lot more complicated. Well, now is there that is too much. Installed. You have a fax modem, but it's not the fax modem. It's a voice. Right. Fax so modem. they're different. Okay. Because what what happens when somebody calls is the fax picks up or you get uh, you get online, but what you need is something that will interface with a call box software that will do all that other stuff, and that has to be a voice fax modem. You can st- actually I'm looking some the chat rooms just give me they're amazing. They found one on Amazon.com, the Hero. I'm not recommending it. <laughs> it's USB, which is nice. You don't have to install it. It's, it's XP 64-bit Vista ready. <laughs> It is only 21 bucks, so even if it's kind of hard to get working, I guess it's not the end of the world, right? Right. Um, it's uh, on Amazon, H-I-R-O. It's a V.92 56K Lucent chipset, USB modem. Now, I don't see voice, but they say it's a voice modem, so I'm going to look and see if it's a voice modem. They Maybe maybe they, maybe they I got misled. That's the key. Uh, Connexent makes a 56K voice fax. The other thing that you're going to want, besides the the voice hardware is software that goes with it and presumably these guys distribute um appropriate answering machine software and that would do all the things you want to do you know the voice mailbox and all that. i used to do this problem is you have to leave the pc on all the time right it has to be hooked up to the phone line right right yeah here this is not bad this is you know what i should order one and just try it this is uh 15 for a connexent usb so you don't even have to open up the machine voice fax data modem do you still do dial up internet no okay you just want to use it for voice yeah yeah it's going to be on anyway i'm using right. kind of a server so let me look at the reviews here this is why i love amazon you can go to the reviews some and and you know here's there's 17 people who bought the thing one says easy to install works perfectly next one says do not buy this <laughs> So, but hey, it's 15 bucks. You're not, I mean, it's not like, do not, I would say a Zycel, which is hundreds of dollars, might work better, but but it's a big risk. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. We're talking about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, and all that jazz. Back to the phones we go. Larry in Kentucky. Hi, Larry. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Hey, Leo. How are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? <laughs> I'm pretty good. Uh, what are you that. laughing at? Are you laughing at the Mickey Mouse hat I'm wearing? <laughs> I wish I could see. I'm driving down the road in Kentucky. <laughs> okay. We have in studio, we have uh, a guy named Jan who wrote a uh, an app for uh, the iPhone for uh, Disney. What's it called? The Mouse Mouse Addict? And you can like, can you use it to find out what's going on in Disneyland and things like that? Oh, oh that's cool. A California Adventures. That's cool. Mouse Addict. We'll have to check that out. So what can I uh, what can I do uh, for you, uh, Larry? Well, uh, I downloaded some audiobooks on sale from iTunes Store, and I loaded them on my Nano, and I listened to them. And now I want now to- you're done because <laughs> they're taking up a lot of space. Right, I have no room for my podcast anymore. <laughs> so here's the deal on on that. It's it's really pretty simple. You can. My suggestion, the way I do it, is uh, by uh, a setting in iTunes. If you go to the front, you know, when you dock your Nano, you can click on the Nano, and you're going to see some settings there uh, if you click on the Nano on the front page of the settings. And one of the checkboxes is only sync checked music. Then you go into your library and you uncheck the books you don't want. That means they stay in your library, they're still around, but you just don't sync them. In fact, the next time you sync that Nano, it will uh, remove them. Yeah, see, I I deleted all the ones from my library, but uh, they were still on my Nano. (laughs) Right. It won't won't delete them from the library. It won't delete them from the Nano. What you have to do is uncheck them, and then then it'll delete them from the Nano. Okay. The other way to do it, the other way to do it is to, and this is another way that I like, because I want, you know, I listen to audiobooks like crazy, and I have have literally 400 audiobooks that I've downloaded over the last eight or nine years. Oh, so Uh, like. (laughs) Yeah, I love them. Well, if you drive a lot, are you a truck driver? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, live in the truck. So it's got to be a lifesaver for you to have, you know, not only audiobooks, but you've got radio, of course. I Thank you for listening to this show, but also uh, podcasts. So there's a huge variety of things you can listen to while you drive, and that's great. And I know, especially when I've driven across country, there are places, there are places in, in, across country that you can get to which are radio wastelands. So it's nice to have something that you can listen to on the Nano. So yeah, it's it's a it's a it, another way to manage it would be, and this is what I do is I create a audiobooks playlist, and I tell when I when I set up uh, iTunes to sync, you know, when you click Nano, you can there's a bunch of tabs at the top on on all the things you can sync to your Nano. Um, click the audiobooks tab and uncheck everything except for that folder. Say only sync this folder, and then just remove stuff from the folder. The folders are virtual. When when you remove it from the folder, it doesn't delete it from the hard drive. Now, if you want to, you can delete it from the hard drive, uh, but but that's not going to remove it from the iPod. I think you have to uncheck it to remove it from the iPod. Okay. Okay. So, and and, and frankly, I don't like to delete them because books sometimes, uh, unlike uh, say movies and TV shows, books I'd like to listen to again sometimes. So, well, I, um, I over to a separate file and then move that file onto a flash drive. Good. So you still have them. You haven't lost them. Yes. Yeah. I, I just you know wanted to clear up because. I've got uh, six megabytes of audiobooks that are taking up my. Yeah, six gigabytes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, because audiobooks, especially, you know, Audible, uh, which supplies for uh, iTunes, uh, has uh, four or five now um, audio recording formats. And the highest one is pretty big. They call it enhanced. And that's what I like because it doesn't, it's perfect. It's CD quality, crystal clear. And, you know, most of the time you have enough space to do that. So I keep it in enhanced. But I just put the books that I'm listening to on my nano or my, you know, and then that way, uh, and maybe the next one, right? So if I get through a book, at least I have the next one. And you know how many books you're going to listen to, uh, even if you're a long haul trucker, you know, four or five books is probably sufficient. I lent uh, audiobooks to a friend of mine. Her name is Roz Savage. She's a um, extreme sportswoman. She was the first uh, woman to row solo across the Atlantic. First woman to row solo across the Pacific. The Atlantic she did without audiobooks, but when she was going across the Pacific, I said, Roz, you should take an iPod with audiobooks on there. She went through a book a day because she rose 14 or 15 hours a day, and that's all she listened to. She needed, and, and she spends 100 or more days at a time out at sea rowing. <laughs> she read 100 books, you know, in one sitting, in one session. So the key is, once again, there's a couple of ways to manage uh, audio on an iPod. And this is true of books, music, TV, video, podcasts, whatever you put on your iPod. One is to check that box that says only sync checked items and then uncheck the items you don't want. Other one is to use folders. You can even use smart playlists to manage it and then only sync the folders you designate. So I have a number for, because I have an iPhone, an iPod, um, uh, other phones, other devices. I have a number of folders. I have a uh, you know an iPhone folder, and that's the stuff I'm going to put on the iPhone. That's another way to do it. That way, you know, the check marks, it's kind of all or nothing. But this way, you can have some more control over the whole thing. Hey, Larry, I'm so glad you listened on the road. Thank you very much. We'll, I'll try to keep you from falling asleep. Wake up, wake up, wake up. Bernie in Colorado, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Bernie. Hey, how are you, Leo? I'm wonderful. Good. Um, I've got a couple questions. Uh, I've got uh, an iPod, iPad, uh, iPod Touch, iPhone, and so forth. And I'd like to reuse those things for some other purposes. Uh, in one case, or in a couple cases, I'd like to uh, have, however, a tone control apps or tone control functionality uh, in them. And uh, I you know there's... An equ- like an equalizer? Yeah. Either graphic equalizer or just bass and treble, and uh, maybe uh, well, all the all the all the current uh, operating systems for iPods have that built in. If you well, I'll tell settings. you when I connect it to my stereo, uh, I have to have the volume all the way up, and I don't notice any difference uh, when I uh, put a certain amount of bass <laughs> or treble in there. So, <laughs> so it's, it's kind of not a very good equalizer, is what you're saying. Yeah, either that or yeah. or, or when you're up to full volume, it it uh, it basically is flat out instead of. Uh, you know, Apple. Right. I don't think so. I think it, uh, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know, but I, I would think that the equalization applies no matter what level you might not notice it because is it, if you're doing loudness, for instance, loudness, you hear at low levels, but at high levels, you might not notice. That, that's correct. Uh, yeah. well, what I'm just wondering here is, uh, because I dock those things in a little, uh, you know, power dock and take the audio out of the back end. Oh, I wonder, I wonder it may be the power dock do- ignores the EQ. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That may be the case, yeah, because the power dock is taking it out of the uh, 30-pin port. Mm-hmm. So it may, in fact, be that the uh, that this is just for coming out of the the, the speaker. You know, yeah, the, like if the, you're uh, not audio, use the the headphone output, uh, then it's okay. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, it might be just for the headphones. Yeah, so that's why I was wondering if there were <sighs> that gives you either graphic equalization function or space and treble, uh, that that sort of thing. I'm almost certain that that's what's going on. The 30-pin port is just basic line level. They expect you to pump it through an amplifier with its own EQ. That kind in of case thing. I do, and I can uh, I can take care of bass and treble. In the other case, uh, um, uh, I've got some equipment that doesn't have tone controls on it. Right. Well, even if you had an app on the iPhone or the uh, iPod, it wouldn't make any difference because this uh, the 30-pin connector that you're using in the dock is just sending bits out. It's just sending digital bits out, so it's not processing it in any way. Yeah. So, I, uh, so whatever whatever hardware then you're playing it on the analog converter that you're playing because it's going to get bits from the dock. Analog output out of out of the dock. Yeah, but the dock's then doing the conversion because that thirty pin port. I don't think there's analog coming out of it. I think it's just bits. So that's the problem. I don't think an app on the uh, on the on the uh, iPod would do it. You're going to have to do it in the hardware. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. So I found the uh, a Microsoft Bing ad. We were talking about how Microsoft has lost this quarter $700 million on their online efforts. Now, some of that, of course, is probably live.com. Some of it's mesh. I mean, blah, blah. But most of that money, I would guess, half of that money is going into advertising and promotion for their search engine, Bing, which is probably not making any money yet. So, uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, well, I'm, I'm going to play this, and then Bernie is still on the line, so I'm going to. I have some more information for you, Bernie. But this is the Microsoft uh, Bing ad that I found Thanks so disturbing. Let me let me uh, describe what's going on. Is there's a couple of women sitting in a cafe, outdoor cafe. We really need to find a new place for breakfast. The Breakfast Club, a 1986 cult classic starring members of the Brat Pack. What? So, do we want an LCD or plasma? Plasma is an ionized gas. Next time we got to find cheaper tickets. Cheap skates. Cheap thrills. I'm having this backpack. Backpacking back to school. Johann Sebastian back. So, what the point of these ads is, I guess, <laughs> is that search engines are kind of idiot savants and just spit out Stuff you type in a phrase and you get random stuff back, and they're trying to convince people that Bing doesn't do that, which of course it does. It does exactly the same thing every other search engine does. In fact, I bet if you go to Bing and search for back, you'll get all of those same exact things. If you search for back pain, you'll get back pain information, which makes perfect sense. So the ads don't, you know, the ads are kind of misleading, but I just find them disturbing. It's like these people, like something happened to these people. Their brains have been fried or something. It's just, I find it disturbing. Do you use Bing? I'd love to hear from you. Is Bing better than Google? Has anybody used Bing for any length of time? 8888, ask Leo. Luis at the controls says, it's horrible. (laughs) You sound like you've had a bad experience, Luis. So, Bernie, I want to clarify something. I've been talking with the... Jan here in our studio and our chat room both agree that there is, in fact, analog audio out of that 30-pin connector. doesn't solve anything because it's analog line out. It is unequalized audio. So if you're going to equalize your iPod, 
your, uh, you know, somehow before you play it, if you want to add loudness, that's going to have to happen in your amplifier. Just like in the old days. Remember that? You put a CD in and then you turn up the treble in the bass. Or maybe sometimes on the, uh, on the receiver, you'd have a loudness switch, which uh, did a little bump in the bass and a little bump in the treble. You're, still, you're going to have to do it that way. The iPod equalizer doesn't equalize the sound coming out the 30-pin port. We have definitive evidence of that. Uh, let's see. I want to talk briefly about Carbonite.com, and then we're going to get back to the phones. And I've got uh, Gary in San Diego. You're next, Gary. Don't go away. He wants to convert a video file so he can play it on his mobile device. This is a very common uh, problem and question. I'll be glad to help you in just a second. Before I do, though, I would like to help you with your backup. You know about Carbonite. I talk about it all the time, for goodness sake. You don't? You haven't heard? Oh, well, let me tell you. Carbonite is online backup, and it's online backup done right in a couple of ways. First of all, I think for backup to succeed, it's got to be automatic. If you have to remember to backup, forget it. (laughs) You will. (laughs) So automatic, number one. Number two, it's off site. Now, why is that important? Well, you've, you've been hearing about these tornadoes, the horrible tornadoes in the south and earthquakes and floods, and tsunamis, all these, all these disasters, these natural disasters. Every time I hear about that, of course, horrible loss of life and property, but also backups go too, right? If there's a disaster, if your house burns down and your backups are sitting next to your computer, everything goes. And, you know, a lot of times the stuff we have on our computers these days is really irreplaceable. Pictures of our kids being born or our our weddings or, you know, special events, personal files, business files, emails, all of this stuff is on the computer now. You've got to back it up and you've got to back it up offsite. That's where Carbonite comes in. Um, It makes it easy because as soon as you install it, it starts backing it up to the internet where it's encrypted, it's safe, and you can get to it anytime, anywhere just by logging into your Carbonite account on a PC, on a Mac, on your iPhone, iPod, Blackberry, uh, Android device. There's your stuff. You don't even have to wait for a disaster. It's, it's cloud storage. But if disaster happens, a press of the button and boom, you're back in business. And that's what I really like. Unlimited backup for your PC or Mac. All the data on your personal, personal data on your internal drive with anytime, anywhere access, $59 a year. That's less than $5 a month. Less than $5 a month for this kind of peace of mind. That's worth it. Start your free 15-day trial at Carbonite.com. Offer code LEO. You'll get two months free if you decide to buy. 14 months on a 12-month subscription. Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo. You got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Gary, San Diego, you're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Gary. Hi, Leo. How are you? I'm wonderful. (laughs) Yeah, greetings from Southern California. (laughs) Well, it's nice to hear from you. Probably listening, I would guess, to uh, our mothership, KFI in, uh, in Los Angeles. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> great great station. Yes. Um, I have a question uh, regarding um, what is a good program, whether it's free or commercial, to convert a video file into a mobile device? Like, for example, um, if I want to convert, like, a MKV file and convert it into a, to my PSP, what's that? You- yeah. The MKV files are tough. They're Matryoshka, and uh, it's a wrapper around a file format, a compression format that's pretty easy for most devices to play, H.264, but that wrapper makes confuses things like the PSP. Mm-hmm. So are you on uh, Windows? Uh, yeah. But uh, I can go either Windows or Mac. I have a Mac as well. So. You know, there are a lot of great 
uh, choices out there. There's an open source program that a lot of these programs use that's a command line program called FFmpeg. Oh. Uh, but I, my but I'm going to tell you about uh, one that I really like called Handbrake, and this is free. Mm-hmm. The website is handbrake.fr. It is Windows or Mac. And what Handbrake does is it'll take almost any file format and convert it to almost any other file format. And they have presets for almost everything, including PSP. And that's what you want because you don't need to or want to know exactly what format the PSP wants. You know, you just you just want to get it done. Mm-hmm. Oh. So, Oh, and also, I mean, not only, you know, for the specific mobile device, but also if you want to specify the language and if you want subtitles as well. Does that yeah, mean? yeah, it'll do that too. Oh, okay, that's yeah, good. It, yeah. Okay. Uh, there are a ton of programs that'll do this, but uh, but Handbrake, I know, will take the Matryoshka format, the MKV format that you've got, and convert it to a suitable format for PSP. Mm-hmm. There are a ton of other. I mean, the chat room is coming up with a long list, a litany of free programs. DVDvideosoft.com, X Media Recode, uh, which uh, 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 David Bix in our chat room says is better. He likes it better than Handbrake because it has more choices. Uh, Handbrake will do exactly what you want to do, that one thing. But uh, I, I'm not familiar with X Media Recode. I'm going to have to take a look at it. It's at videohelp.com. And, oh, okay. Can uh, I ask you one more question? Sure. Okay. Um, what brand uh, would you use for, um, I guess, uh, I want to use my brother's, uh, uh, he has a Canon uh, Rebel T2i, and I want right. to be able to use it like a camcorder and uh, be able to use, like, maybe, what brand would you recommend, like, for a, uh, I guess, a shotgun mic or something like that? Yeah, Canon has its own um, shotgun mic that I've used in the past that goes right in the hot shoe, mm-hmm. and that's great. Um so that's the first place I'd start. It's around $100. Um, I also have used, and I like, uh, something called the Rode, R-O-D-E, video, stereo video mic. Oh, okay. uh, It's what I use on my 5D Mark II. But I don't, now, the, it needs a mini jack plug. Do you have a mini jack uh, out for audio on the T2i? Uh, I think, well, I have to take a look. I'm not too sure. Okay. So that that would be if it does, then I I think this Rode stereo video mic is really great. R O D E dot R O D E M I C dot com. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Canon makes one that goes right on the hot shoe that doesn't need another external connector. It goes on the flash hot shoe, so uh, that might be a little bit easier for you. Oh, okay, that's cool. And um, also, I just want to make a comment in terms of uh, well, because of uh, I guess with the Sony, you know, with the security issue with their uh, network. Oh, can you believe this PlayStation thing? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Well, I don't play it as much uh, on there. I use. Uh, yeah, but aren't you worried? Because you once upon a time, you set up an account. Yeah. Oh, but in terms of uh, using a credit card, I use uh, either uh, I purchase a gift card and do it through there. So I don't. That's smart. That, yeah. So. That's so smart, Gary. And then, and then there's a limit to how much that uh, a bad guy could steal. You know, many credit card companies will also do this. You can either put a limit on a, a card. Uh, you can get a special number. So you can say to Citibank or Bank of America, look, I want a one-time use number for the Sony PlayStation Network. They'll give it to you. And there's either a limit on that or only Sony can use it. Not a bad guy. So those are those are absolutely things you should do. I, th- I You know, from now on, <laughs> if you knew it then, You'd be okay. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the talk guy. And it's time to talk about computers, the internet, cell phones, camcorders, MP3 players, home theater, all that. When I talk like that, I sound pretty nerdy, don't I? Yeah. Well, this isn't a show for nerds. This is a show for regular people to help regular people become nerds. I wouldn't even do that to you. It's to help regular people understand how to use this stuff so you can use it to have fun, change your life, change the world. And I really believe that. I really do believe that. I think this digital technology is is an amazing tool. Of course, it's fun. I mean, you know, video games. I can't stop playing Portal 2. I mean, it's fun. But uh, even more than fun. I mean, this is uh, important. I mean, we, you don't have to look much farther than uh, the revolutions happening now in the Middle East, in Egypt, and Tunisia, and Syria, and Yemen. All thanks, to, partly, not entirely, of course, it takes a committed people to make the difference, but uh, but they have the tools thanks to the internet. And I think it's very telling nowadays if a dictator, it used to be when a dictator wants to stay in power, they'd shut down the radio and TV stations, right? they take them over. Or if there's a coup, that's the first thing that the coup plotters do. They take over the government TV station. Now they shut down the internet. <laughs> and it doesn't work, does it? The internet is like water. You can't keep it out. It just drips right through. So, uh, I'm just excited about the, the opportunity that, that uh, digital, inexpensive digital technology and uh, the Internet, the opportunity that they pose for people who want to have a voice, want to change the world, or just want to have a good time. And it is fun, isn't it? I, have to, I mean, it really is fun. Unless you uh, have a credit card with Sony PlayStation Network. Then it's not so fun. <laughs> those hackers, those wild and crazy hackers, I tell you. My goodness, they're just, uh, they just never give up. They're like water. Well, they're like cockroaches more. Let's say hi to Bernie, Colorado. Hey, Bernie, welcome to the show, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello, Bernie. Oh, I guess I talked to Bernie, didn't I? He's the guy who had the, the treble thing, right? All right. Ray in San Diego, you're next. Poor Bernie, I gave him a heart attack. Hey, Ray, how are you? Good, how about yourself? Very well. What can I do for you today? Um, <clears throat> over the past decades, I've accumulated a collection of uh, VHS cassettes and more recently uh, DVDs. <laughs> I'm sorry, of- I didn't mean to snort. <laughs> okay, go ahead. <laughs> you know, I have a friend who has a, uh, a VHS collection. He has every episode ever broadcast of Taxi. <laughs> well, yeah, and, you, and you're right to laugh because he's had this for a decade, right? Yeah. And now you just go to Netflix and you you can, you don't go well, you watch it on your TV. So well, so wanna, you would like to, I want to copy over all of my uh VHS cassettes and put them out to, onto a very large uh file server that oh, I great idea. specifically for hold, holding videos. Yeah, a media we call that a media server. A media server. But I want something called uh commercial editing. I want to automatically eliminate commercials you know, conserve some space. The uh, the video. You know what else would be cool is if you could take those VHS and automatically convert them to high def. Yeah, that that That'd would be so cool. Take the sound and make it surround five point one. That'd be so cool. Can't do any of that stuff. Oh well. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to tease you. Uh, 
you might be, you know, I don't know. I don't think there's any automatic commercial removal uh, tool. You know, there used to be things you could put on your TV, on your uh, on your recorder. They would look for, there is apparently a brief mm, few milliseconds of black between program and commercial. And so these devices would sit on your VHS and they would pause it as soon as it saw the black. And then when it saw it again, it would unpause it. And the idea was as you're recording, you could get rid of the commercial. It didn't work too well, unfortunately, because it wasn't, it wasn't always possible to, to get it. Yeah. And I think, the, I think any automated system... Every once in a while, you're going to miss the second half of the show. Yeah, but I may not live long enough to to actually watch every one of these things. <laughs> I want to preserve them so that, you know, in case someday the mood moves me to watch, you know, an old um, 77 Sunset Strip episode, um, which you're probably not even old enough to remember. Uh, Are you kidding? 77 Sunset Strip. Okay. Oh. oh. Um, that, you know, it, it. I can just watch it without the commercials, but like I said, right. This is just more to preserve the, the library than it is um, anything else. And I've got four PCs set up with Hallpog 2250. Wow. Um, and they they all are indirectly now feeding a 32-terabyte uh, uh, media server, as you call it. Um, and I just want to start sucking this data off, and if I can, yeah. automatically eliminate commercials. And I know there's one program out there that does it. It's called Video Redo. Uh, I just don't know how effective it is. And also, uh, Video Factory apparently has an option where you know it will at least attempt to do it. So I was hoping. Uh, I don't have any experience with Video Redo or Video Factory chat room. Do you have any? Um, my my best guess is it's going to do it sometimes, but not always effectively. And you know that's almost worse than not doing it at all. You know. Well, except uh, you know, if you if you have it on a server and you can fast forward, then that that's right. That's okay. That's what I I would say. Leave the commercials in rather than accidentally, ch- you know, chunk out the second half of the show because you you didn't realize the commercial wasn't the whole show. Yeah. Um, and any any decent editing software really will let you do this very very quickly if you want to do it by hand. The long the thing that takes the longest is digitizing the VHS tape. That's the hard part. Yeah, well, that's once you've got it on a hard drive, you put it in almost any video editor, even Windows Movie uh, Movie Maker, and you'll see the timeline, and you'll go, "Oh, there's a commercial." Mark, mark, boop, mark, mark, boop, mark, mark. Boop. It, it, you could get rid of uh, commercials literally in two minutes. It's not the it's not the editing of the commercials that's hard. It's the digitizing it because you have to do it in real time. You have to press play on the VHS recorder. And half an hour later, press stop. Or if it's cookie, cookie, lend me your comb, it's an hour later, and you press stop, and and uh, that's what takes a long time. Yeah. Well, getting getting it in, it hasn't been a problem. Um, Good. Like with these with these uh, remote servers, the, the capture servers, as opposed to the media server. Right. Um, you know, you can just play play the uh, the VHS cassette and just let it play itself in, and you right. know. Well, I know Windows Media Server, if that's what you're, uh, if that's what you're using, Media Center, I should say, has a supposedly a commercial dump plugin. But I, again, I don't know how well it will work. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think it's fairly, it's pretty easy. Getting it in is the hard part. Once you've got it in, you know what? You can clean it up. You can, you know, tighten it up. I bet you on the VHS recordings, you've got a little extra sometimes on either end. 
you snip that off. That's not a hard thing to do. Uh, it's kind of satisfying. Now you have it, you know, in there. The only thing I would caution you is, you know, I mean, I don't know. I haven't checked, but it's how long before you can get, seven, you know, 77 cents strip, strip on Netflix or on demand. I mean, all this stuff is eventually being converted, I would guess. Netflix is working very quickly. Let me just check to get TV shows online. And that's what happens is, uh, yeah, you've been saving these. And what we didn't count on is the fact that they would be made available. Now, there are shows that are so obscure, so little loved, uh, or never recorded that maybe uh, you won't ever see on DVD. That's that's not unusual either. Either uh, I'm gonna let me look. I'm going to Netflix just to see because I'd be very curious if 77 Sunset Strip would be uh, would be. I think a lot of people have a kind of a fondness for this show. Um, it's before my time, but I remember ever uh, hearing about it. <laughs> uh, Sunset Strip, not the same show. Not even close. Uh, no, you know what? There isn't any Netflix of that, which means it probably was never put on DVD. So you should keep, you should keep those VHS recordings. Those are worth saving. And I think a worth, worthy project. Because someday, you'll be old and infirm, and you can just sit down and watch hundreds of hours of old shows. Leo Laporte, The Tech Guy. So apparently, we are, wait a minute, Leo Laporte, the tech guy, I should say that, shouldn't I? Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I was talking about the radio stations. I forgot to mention we are moving on XM satellite. Uh, sometime, let me just check when the, when the actual move will occur. Starting Wednesday, May 4th. Currently, we're on XM 158, America's Talk. And there's going to be a little rejigger there. And we will be moving to XM 166, which will be rebranded America's Talk. But that's not now. It's not till May 4th. So that's about, that's next weekend. Next weekend. So um, that will be live on America's Talk. That's 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, I'm very pleased that they uh, rebroadcast five of the six hours we do the following week from 1 to 4 p.m. and 4 to 5 p.m., which is very confusing. <laughs> Eastern time. Uh, 1 to 4 p.m. Pacific, 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. That doesn't make any sense. Must be 4 to four to 7 p.m., yeah. Uh, that is on America's Talk 158 right now, XM 158 right now. Not for long, though, next weekend. Retune to 166. And um, this is part of a whole reorganization of uh, the Sirius XM channels. We are not on uh, on Sirius receivers, I'm sorry to say. But if you have an XM receiver, we are on 158 right now, 166 next week. I wanted to mention a commercial skipping program. Jan is in our studio and apparently likes to do the same thing. And he says that there's a program called, is it Com Skip? 
And it is for Windows Media Center? Windows. Uh, so just search for ComSkip. He says it does a good job. Now, see, they're getting smarter. So I mentioned that the early commercial skippers, the, the, the hardware ones that you would actually put on a VHS recorder, on a VCR, would look for the black, momentary black between the program and the commercial. I'm sure ComSkip uses that, but they say they have much better results looking at the closed captioning. And there's a change in the flow of closed captioning. You get it from you know, one source for the TV show, and then you get it. I, many commercials are still closed captioned, but I guess there's some sort of switch that happens that they can reliably observe and uh, use that to edit out commercials as they're recording. So that'd be, if you're dubbing over VHS tapes to hard drive, run the ComSkip software as you're doing it. He says it's kind of hacky to configure it, but once you get it in there, then during the dub, it will automatically uh, cut those out. Thank you, Jan. That's great. Uh, appreciate that. Now, back to the phones we go. The phone number 8888-ASK-LEO. By the way, website is techguylabs.com. And a little program note on that one. James DeRuvo, he's a scout leader, and it's a big scout weekend. So he's out uh, camping or something this Saturday and Sunday during the show. But he will get those show notes up very quickly after he gets back. So... Uh, you can go to the website, techilabs.com right now and find all sorts of stuff, including a link to our fabulous chat room and other places that you can get great answers, smart people in there. Also to the live audio and video of the show, the stations that broadcast the show, 144 Strong Now and all that, techguylabs.com. But when you go to uh, Saturday's show or Sunday's show, you won't find any show notes quite yet. This is uh, show 765, and the show notes will be put in there uh, pretty quickly once uh, James gets back. We give him a little time to be a dad once in a while. Okay, if you insist. Shannon in Montana. Hey, Shannon, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hey, Leo, how are you today? Hey. I'm great. What can I do for you? Hey, I just had a quick question. I have never owned a laptop computer, and I'm currently out shopping for one. I was wondering what uh, route you think I should go. This is your first computer or just your first laptop? First laptop. So what do you have? Uh, so you have a desktop. What kind of desktop do you have right now? It is a Dell. Okay. And you're happy with it? I, I am. It's actually my work computer. I just use theirs. You didn't have a choice. They gave it to you. <laughs> exactly. But uh, That's the best kind. Free. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. And I buy, I'll be honest, I buy Dells for our office. You know, we uh, uh, the front office still uses Windows. Most of the, most of the hosts and... Um, programmers even our streaming engineers they all use Macs but the front office is a, is our our Windows users I think a lot of financial folks and financial software is very Windows centric so that's often the case and that's what I buy I like Dells I think Dells make good hardware they used to have the best support in the business that's deteriorated a little bit as as everybody has because support's so expensive and the margins on computers are now so razor thin they can't just can't afford to give you great support but um, I think Dell makes good laptops, too. Uh, you know what? My favorite laptop right now. You want a business-style like laptop, or are you looking for gaming? or What do you, what do you want to do with it? Uh, it'll mostly be uh, Internet use as well as work use. Uh, I'm a safety guy, and I've got to put a lot of files on it. That's what I'm looking Excellent. for. Excellent. Okay, so you want a big hard drive. Um, I am a big fan of the Lenovo computers for business. They're the old IBM ThinkPads, you know. Okay. And they just came out with a new one that I is thin and light, but very powerful and has good storage. I mean, truthfully, even if you're putting documents on there, 500 gigabytes, which is kind of the standard now in laptops, probably is enough. I mean, you don't need terabytes of data. 
But I do love the uh, Lenovo ThinkPad X220. This is, uh, in, in terms of the quality of keyboard, um, the robustness of it, you know, it's, it's just very solid. It's a business computer. You wouldn't be gaming on it. Um, it doesn't have the world's greatest uh, video card in terms of gaming, but it's fine for what you just described. Okay. And, and, and I th- I think in the field this is a great choice. Other good brands, again, Dell. Um I'm I'm less fond of Toshiba and HP these days. I, I I've not been uh, impressed by quality uh, on those. Sony's are good, but the support is really bad for some reason. Um Acer makes some nice net uh, laptops as well as netbooks. But I think this one, this Lenovo ThinkPad X220, what a great system that is. Great. Okay. All right. Enjoy. I've... I think you're going to like the I think you're going to like the portability of laptops. Laptops are close to outselling desktops. If it weren't for businesses which buy desktops, laptops would easily outsell desktops these days. Most people are buying laptops because they're just they they're they're you know fast and they're light and you can carry them around. And you can sit in the living room and you go anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. Enjoy, Shannon. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. And uh, I think you I think you'll be very happy with it. I I can actually come so close to pulling the trigger on this Lenovo. It's just a beautiful uh, piece of piece of hardware, and I number number of people have bought it. it just came out uh, the X two twenty. If you want a tablet, they also make a tablet version of this. But uh, but I like this, and I'm presuming that you wanted Windows. If you wanted Mac, well, that's another story. That's yeah, a horse of a different color. My favorite laptop right now, the MacBook Air, is just fantastic. Boy, it's light, it's thin, it goes everywhere, and because it's got a solid state disk drive in it, it is fast. It's got a real old processor. My MacBook Air has a 1.4 gigahertz Core 2 processor. It's about a two, three-year-old processor, and it feels faster than my desktops because of that solid-state drive. That makes such a huge difference. They're expensive, but boy, they make a big difference in terms of overall speed. 8888-ASK-LEO. That, my friends, is my phone number. I'd love to hear from you. If you've got a question, a comment, a suggestion, let's talk tech. I'm Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme. Yeah! For high-speed internet at an amazing price, call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 888-827-5536. That's the phone number. You know, that's a lot of numbers, so let me give you two easier ways to find that. You could go to the website. If it's easy for you to remember, you know, web addresses... Just go to techguylabs.com and you'll find everything on the front page there, including not just the phone number, not limited to the phone number, including previous shows, audio of previous shows, uh, all of our show notes going back to nine, I'm sorry, 2004, 
list of stations. And don't forget our chat room. We've got a great chat room. That's all linked up there. The chat room is an IRC chat, so you could also use an IRC client. But if you click the chat link at techguylabs.com, uh, instructions are there. There are 668 people in the chat room. I'd like to get it to 1,000 before I go home. James Ruvo will be putting the show notes in there as well. So that's one way to get the phone number, techguylabs.com. The other way is just remember 8888, like the number of keys in a keyboard, 8888-ASK-LEO. Of course, you know, you could also tell Leo, yell at Leo, mock Leo. That's all fine, but you'd use the same phone number for that, 8888-ASK-LEO. Uh, let's see here. Oh, we were talking about solid state drives. You know, I, I maybe you should spend a little time uh, talking a little bit more about that. Uh, Jan, who's visiting the studio today, mentioned that uh, his employer uses exclusively solid state drives. So his hard drive la- died and uh, they replaced it with a solid state drive. And it went from taking how many minutes? Three or four minutes to boot? Two minutes, 52 seconds to boot on a regular spinning, you know, hard drive. And then they put in the SSD. And it went down from almost three minutes to 22 seconds. It's one-sixth one as fast. I mean, that's, that's just remarkable. No, one-ninth as fast. That's remarkable. You know, I mean, wow. Or as slow, I guess <laughs> I should say. And I found that to be the case, too. It's not just boot time, application launch time. Anything that reads the disk uh, a lot really is sped up by these new solid-state drives. The negative is they're expensive, especially for the capacity that you get. They tend to be smaller, and they tend to cost more. Um, So what I usually recommend, they're great for laptops. If you can get away with 64 gigabytes, um, those aren't usually too horribly expensive. Um, If you need more space and you're on a desktop, you could always use it to boot on the desktop and then have a big terabyte secondary hard drive where your data lives. So have Windows and the boot and operating system and everything on the on the SSD. And you get 90% of the benefit by doing that. It's really remarkable. I just love SSDs, solid-state drives. And I suspect we're going to see solid-state drives in many laptops going forward. Less so in desktops, but many more laptops going forward. I'm not a fan of, and, I, and here I'm quoting um, a guy named Alan Malventano. He's really an expert on this stuff. He writes for a website called PC Per, PC Perspective, PCPer.com. And uh, Alan's tried the hybrid hard drives. Now, they're coming out with, you know, in order to solve this capacity issue on SSDs, they're coming out with drives that kind of supposedly mix. Uh, they have SSD features, but, hard, but spinning hard drives as well. And uh, Alan's experience is that they are not as good as as getting an SSD drive uh, and then a separate secondary uh, spinning drive if you're on a desktop. Um, sometimes people say, oh, I'm not going to get an SSD drive because it's just going to wear out too fast. I've heard stories that they wear out really fast. Not my experience, not at all. And I think the modern SSDs with good controllers uh, will give you a, a lifespan Equivalent to that of a hard drive, maybe even longer. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's uh, that's the number. Tony in Glendora, California. You're next. Hey, Tony. Leo Laporte. Leo, how are you? Tony, my buddy. What's up? Hey, Leo. Uh, it's great talking to you. I've been a long time uh, listener, back from the Tech TV, and uh, I really appreciate everything that 
you've done as far as showing me. Uh, I've learned a lot from you, and and you've you've driven me to bankruptcy with all the gadgets and stuff. I've- <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I hear both of those things. It's it's always so gratifying to hear. People, sometimes I'll meet young people that come up and say, I'm a geek because of you. I used to watch you when I was a kid on tech TV, and that inspired me. I love technology because of it, and I became a geek, and I've got this great job now. And then there are the people who come up and say, I, I'm, I'm bankrupt because I buy all this stuff you talk about. <laughs> I don't feel so good about that, but I, so my apologies. <laughs> no, no, that, that's okay. I, I'm, I don't mean it literally. No, I know. And it's fun. Hey, I'm, hey, I'm there with you. Let's put it that way. It, it, I'm it, the king of buying a lot of extra stuff. I bought a BlackBerry playbook. That's how cuckoo I am. <laughs> Can't do anything with it, but it's pretty. <laughs> so what can I what can I do for you, Tony? Leo, I'm I'm in the market for a digital camera, and um, I, I was looking at um, the Canon SX30 and the uh, Nikon P500. Are you familiar with those? Uh, not from use, but certainly uh, by by reputation and uh, name. So these are bigger. There's point and shoots, but they're kind of they look like DSLRs. They're they're bigger cameras. Um, and, and I think it's too much camera for me. I, I'm 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 looking maybe somewhere in the market of of a three hundred dollar camera. But I, I really like the Canon and the uh, flip out screen that it has. And, and I that's nice. And that's why one of the one of the advantages of a of a bigger camera like that is uh, there's more space to put things like a flip out screen. the The advantage of the screen that flips that pops out is that you can like hold the camera up over your head, then tilt the screen down, and see what's going on. Or go, you, I guess you could shoot around corners, things like that. I don't use them that much, but if you, if it's something you feel like you really need, well, there's one right there. In fact, is this uh, Cameron Scott? Which one is this? This is this is really nice. This is the uh, SX1 IS. Same idea on this thing. It's got the flip-out screen. Um, my Panasonic GH1 also has that flip-out screen. I, I'll be honest. I tend to use the viewfinder more than I do the uh, L- LCD screen, uh, and that's one of the advantages of these cameras is they have they do have viewfinders. Some of the smaller point-and-shoots now no longer have viewfinders, which means you're you're stuck looking at the LCD, fine in the dark, but as soon as you get outside in the bright sunlight, it's very hard to see what you're shooting. So it is nice to have both. And if you're going to use the LCD, the ability to tip it so that you can see it a little bit better also helps. Uh, um, if, but I just think these are kind of bulky, you know? Um, that's the negative on this. You like the camera, Cameron? Cameron seems to be very happy yeah, with Yeah, actually, it. I do. The reason I picked that one particularly is because it has a wide... It's, and this is the same with the uh, SX30. It's right. a 30, very wide-angle lens. Yeah. So it's 16 by 9 wide, and when you, when you say wide, you mean it's a wide uh, screen, wide aspect ratio. You know what I like, and I would take a look at, do you want something that uh, large, or would you like something more compact, Tony? Why do you say it's too much camera for you? Well, let, let me explain to you what it is that I'm going to be using it for. I, I have two okay. uh, uh, young kids, like, like 9 and 10, and... Um, you know, I, I, I mostly mostly I take pictures of, of them, and usually I'm one of the last ones to their event, so I'm all the way to the back. <laughs> so you need a big zoom. Yeah, th- and that's why I wanted the zoom, but I think that, that 35 uh, times optical zoom might be a little bit too much. I'll tell you the negative on that. 
And it's something that you won't notice till you try it. When you're in, it's fine if you're doing a sporting event. But it's not going to work very well in a theatrical performance. There's not enough light. And the more you zoom it, the more light it needs. And this is exactly why I'm calling you, Leon. Yeah. And so you're going to tr- you're going to get this into the theater and your kid's a tree and you're trying to zoom in on the tree and it's going to be real grainy and shaky. Not because the tree's moving. He's not. It's because your hands aren't steady enough. So, Tony, hang on. Let's help. Let's help Tony. Let's find a good camera for him. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show brought to you by Big Long Lenses. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. We're talking about digital photography with Tony. He wants to buy a camera. Do you have a digital camera right now, Tony? I do, but it's about seven or eight years old. Oh, yeah, those don't even count. The technology's changed so much that you really will notice a huge difference, especially since you're taking pictures of kids who move around a lot. The speed of the new cameras in terms of how quickly they can take a picture after you press a button makes a big difference. You don't miss as many pictures. I do see people lusting after these super telephoto lenses. You know, 11X, 35X. And I just have to warn you, you're going to want to use a tripod and it's going to reduce the amount of light that's let into the camera. So um, it, outside, it's fine. Um, the, the good news about these Canons is they do have image stabilization. That'll help. Uh, but I just, I, you know, uh, I, you know, if that's the main function for this, I think good choice. It's a very nice camera. Uh, but you're, but you're going to want to bring a tripod or a monopod with you. I love monopods. Uh, because then, then it's kind of a little more portable. Sometimes when you carry a tripod around, it gets in people's way and so forth. But a monopod, which is just a single pole that you could put on the ground and put the camera on the monopod. Uh, it gives you enough stability. The camera's still moving around. You'll notice, in fact, if you go to sporting events, that's what most of the sports photographers use. They need it because those big sports lenses weigh a ton. So I think if you got a monopod, another 50 bucks, and this uh, SX30, I think you'd be very happy. I mean, if that's what, this is an excellent camera. And if you're looking for super zoom, 35 zoom, that's incredible. It is. I had a chance to play with them a little bit in the store, and um, wow, they they get really uh, close up in there. But I did notice um, that that as I zoom out a little bit more, it 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 gets hard to to get it's really hard to hold steady, and the light, the amount of light that's being let in goes way down. That's why when sports photographers hit the field, you notice how big those lenses are. The reason they're so big is to give you that kind of zoom and let enough light in. And when you're shooting sports or any kind of action, uh, then it's really important that you're able to uh, let a lot of light in so you can turn the shutter speed up so you can freeze the action. So you were say this is a, but this camera, I would not hesitate recommending it. This is a nice cam Canon. Uh, and, uh, and it's great. The Cameron has a, a similar model because, uh, he's, he's sitting right across from me. He uses it. And he loves it. It's what he brought with him today to shoot a pictures in the studio. 
Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, I certainly appreciate all your help, Leo, and I'll, I'll keep listening. And um, I, I, I think uh, aside from the fact that you're just a great help, you're also a great uh, person and a great. Oh, you're going to make me blush, Tony. You know, I have to say I, I, uh, I envy you because my kids now are grown 16 and 19, almost 17 and 19. And um, I wish I'd had digital cameras when they were your kids' age. I didn't start using uh, digital photography till they were about nine, eight or nine. And uh, even then, of course, it was early days and the quality is not so good. But I'm very grateful I did because I have a couple of videos of my kids when they were really little of Henry reading for the first time. It's just a short 10 second video. And I just happened to have it because I had one of the early Canon point and shoots that did video. And I just happened to have it. And I'm so grateful to have that. And I just I'm thrilled that uh, that. As your kids grow up, Tony, you're going to be able to take all these great pictures. Make sure you back them up. I, I, <laughs> I have I have carbonite, and I have uh, external hard drive. So good um, man, that, yeah, you got. You know, now you're talking something really valuable. Those videos and pictures you take of the kids. Do get a camera like this one that does a good, um, uh, a good video because have the ability to shoot video as well as uh, uh, stills is really great. You could do both. With one camera, you don't have to. I don't even see people with camcorders much anymore. Everybody's just got a good camera. Uh, Web twenty two seventy eight in our chat room says he recommends and likes the Panasonic FZ one thousand or sorry one hundred, also a super zoom. Uh, he says he was getting great uh, still pictures, you know, not shaky cam pictures without a tripod. So there's another one to look at. But I I wouldn't hesitate recommending this Canon that you you found. I think you found a good one. Nikon's excellent, too. Nikon is excellent, too. And these are very comparable cameras. The thing that's happened, of course, is uh, these companies pay, especially Canon and Nikon, pay very close attention to what they're doing. And they're, and they're comparable in almost every way now. So you just pick the one you like. Uh, in some ways, I think the Nikon color reproduction might be a little bit more accurate. And I've got the two Canon shooters in here nodding. Oh, no, wait a minute. You're, you're, Jan's a Nikon user. But even Cameron, who's a Canon user, said, yeah, it's a little better. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. As, as long as we're uh, uh, talking tech here, can I, uh, can I make a little suggestion? We're going to get uh, Kareem on the line. He's calling from England with an update on the royal wedding. No, he's got a Mac problem. But I would like to ask him. <laughs> how, how Kate and Will's are doing? So, Kareem, would you find out for me? But before we do that, I haven't mentioned it once, notice. I did not get up. I didn't watch it. I missed it. I saw a picture. Looks good. Nice looking couple. But I do want to mention Nod32. This is a, a little more important. This is how you protect your computer from the beasties, the bugs, the viruses that are out there. And if you are using a Mac, you don't have to feel left out. Yes, they're, they're coming for you too. And uh, ESET, the company that makes the great Nod32 antivirus, also makes now a, a cybersecurity program for the Mac called, interestingly enough, ESET Cybersecurity for Mac. It is You could try it free right now. Go to uh, www.eset.com slash Mac and you get it free for 30 days. If you want the Windows products, it's uh, eset.com slash Leo. In either case, you can also call them, 866-935-ESET. Just make, make sure you mention me. The nice thing about these antiviruses, first of all, I've tried them all. I can highly recommend them. These are effective. They're good. They're real. Uh, they're fast. They don't slow your system down. And uh, they are the most effective scanners out there. Plus, they have 
uh, advanced heuristics. This is important on the Mac, which will which will catch virus-like activity before it happens. And on the Mac especially, that's really important. Because if you do get attacked on the Mac, chances are it's an attack targeting you, your business, for instance. Uh, an email that's crafted to get you. And that's not going to be an email that's going to show up in the signature database. That's going to be something they're going to have to catch because of how it's behaving. Nobody does it better than cybersecurity for the Mac. From ESET.com slash Mac. And by the way, don't forget to like ESET USA on Facebook. You can stay uh, looped in on their contest, special offers, and exclusive content. If you use Windows or Mac, you need ESET. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Let's go to jolly old England. Kareem is on the line. Hi, Kareem. Hey, Leo. So are you recovered from Kate and Will's mania? First of all, let me say, I am so nervous right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't be nervous. I'm, Take a deep breath. <sighs> did, the, did the country go crazy over this, or was it just America that went nuts? No. England, we, we had a holiday for, the, for this royal wedding. You get a four-day holiday, don't you? Yeah, it was <laughs> it was crazy. But you know what? She, she looked gorgeous. She really She sure did. It's it's nice to see young people so happy, and only sixty million dollars on the wedding. Such a deal. Taxpayers' money. No, it wasn't the it wasn't the Windsor's money. It was the taxpayers' money. Taxpayers' money. You know. <laughs> I'd be a little. You couldn't do that in the states. You couldn't do that. People would just be up in arms. That's a that's amazing. I didn't realize that. I thought the Windsors. This is the richest family in Britain. They can afford it. Of course they can afford it. I, I, I don't know. It was. It, it, did you did you watch it? It was like one a.m. for you. Yeah, it was one a.m. I couldn't do it. Oh. I I tried. <laughs> it, well, there's the highlights. You can watch the highlights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even TiVo it. I just kind of thought, oh, I'm sure I'll see it somewhere. My wife didn't even get up, which is surprising. It was a very good ceremony. I didn't I didn't watch it all because it's like a six 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 or seven hour event. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the hats. What was with the hats? I did see some pictures of those. Those are crazy. You know the hats? They're kind of like women go to these things and they do the whole they do the whole horse racing over here, and it's kind of yeah, like, yeah. It's like the ass, like the ascot. Yeah, it's like the ascot, and it's like well, all these women go to these all these functions, and so it's like uh, oh, look at my hat. My hat's bigger than yours. You know, it's kind of like a <laughs> my hat's weirder than yours. I look more like an alien than you do. I, I like your hats, Leo. I think your hats. <laughs> now, I, I shouldn't talk, yeah, because I kind of have a hat collection, so I really, I'm actually not the person to talk. Hey, Kareem, can you hold on for a minute? I know you're calling from England, but you're on Skype, right? I'm on Skype, yes. Okay, so this won't cost you anything. Hang on, because we have to take a break for the top of the hour news and everything, but we will be back. No problem. In, uh, in just a moment, and we're talking to Kareem, and we just kind of, you want to talk about uh, uh, an on-screen magnifier. All right, I have some solutions for you. Hang on here. Leo Laporte, the hat guy. Stay right here.
Good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the Royal Tech Guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number if you've got a question or a comment or a suggestion. Did I say that too fast? 8888-ASK-LEO. Think of two giant pianos, each with 88 keys, and spelled out on them, on the first one is ASK, on the second one is LEO. 8888-ASK-LEO. Now you'll never forget it. I'm sorry. (laughs) You can also go to uh, the website, techguylabs.com. That's easy to remember, too. Just imagine me with some test tubes and a crazy mad scientist look saying, It's alive! It's alive! Techguylabs.com. And right in the front page there, we have the phone number. Also a link to our great chat room. Let's uh, take a look at the tote board and see how many people we've got in there right now. Well, it's not up that much. 685. Somewhat disappointing. Uh, six, <laughs> you can go in there, though, if you go to techguylabs.com and click the link. We were talking before the break with Kareem. He's in the U.K., where he and uh, the rest of the country are taking a much-deserved four-day weekend after the exhausting spectacle of the royal wedding. That's correct. You know, you know, Leo, before we went on, uh, on the news break, I just wanted to say you're such an inspiration to me. Um, I've been following you since Tech TV because I went to Canada, went to visit London, Ontario, and I discovered you there, and then... I rediscovered you on Twitter, and I was like, wow, it's Leo Laporte. I followed you in Canada on, on uh, Take TV. It's so surreal talking to you. Oh, Kareem, I'm so thrilled. Well, that, it's really sweet of you to say that. Thank you. Yeah, Are you I, in the I, tech I, I business? Are you a tech guy yourself? I am, yeah. I love technology. It's because of you, because everything, everything I learn, I say, yeah, where do you learn that from? I, I tell them I learned from Uncle Leo. <laughs> I like that, Uncle Leo. Forget this tech guy thing. I'm going to be Uncle. Everybody's kind of weird, nerdy uncle from now on. <laughs> so, Kareem, thank you. That's very nice of you. It's you know one of the things I love about uh, technology and uh, and uh, broadcasting these days. Used to be when you broadcast, you know, at best you were national. If you you know you aspired to the heights and you got a national radio show. Wow. Now, thanks to the internet and podcasting. We literally have an audience all over the world. About a third of our audience is, is outside the U.S. Yeah. And it's just very, it's always very gratifying uh, to meet people like you and, and know that wherever I go, I can, I can, I can, somebody will buy me a beer. Yeah, I'm so addicted to Twit, Leo, because I'm a <laughs> as well, and I'm so addicted to your network. Um, hey, good news, Kareem. Thank you. We are, you know, one of the things that Twit's always liked is a gaming show. And Tom Merritt has convinced me to do a gaming show. So we're going to do a Friday night gaming show once we go into the new studio, which will be roughly... I can just put a cheeky plug out there. Yes. I don't know. I I mean, I I tend to go to allgames.com for for gaming stuff. I mean, I don't think Twit really needs it, but it'd be great if you guys did it with the video and stuff. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That's one of the reasons we haven't done it, is that's one area of technology that's mightily well covered by so many people, including... um, Frankly, the the network that bought Tech TV G4, I mean, they they become a gaming channel, uh, allgames.com. But I'll tell you the real reason I want to do this, Kareem. It's not so much for the show. Oh, this does look great. Look at all the stuff they've got, and they have a, a they have a bunch of shows, don't they? Uh, on all the time, the video game show, Under Sedation, the Bobby Blackwolf show. These are Orange Lounge. These are all gaming focused shows. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Wow. 
So it's kind of like my podcast network, only about gaming and nothing else. And, and they and they've even mentioned you as well. They've mentioned Square on uh, well, I'll I'll some a of the- tip of my royal wedding hat to them. <laughs> so here's a here's the thing. The reason we wanted to do a gaming show, Kareem, is because I want to have a land party. I don't really care about the show. I just figure every Friday night when the show gets off the air, it'll be middle of the night for you. You'll have to get up because it's going to be probably 6 or 7 p.m. Pacific time, which would be like 3 a.m. for you. But we want to have... I'm addicted to swear, so I'll do it. So good. You'll be up. (laughs) We want to have... And what game should we play in our LAN party? I want to have people in studio playing, but then I want to have people like you be able to play on the internet. There's so many many games out there. I mean, I'm a Mac user, so... um, Something that's on Steam. Something, something on. that's on Steam and on Mac as well as PC. I agree with you. We should go up cross-platform. But, you know, we'll probably rotate. It would have if, you think, if you think of something, let me know, Kareem, cause, uh, and, and anybody else who's listening. Uh, I've uh, emailed you a lot in the past, actually. Oh, good. And I probably ignored you, and I apologize. That's okay. You're, you're a very busy person, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me make it up to you. What can I do to help you today? Okay, so I have a Mac. I, I bought my Mac in December, and this was my last resort, actually. Um, the Twit Army, I'm hoping, cross fingers. Uh, I've, I've been using Windows since 98, and I relied a lot on the magnet. You know, the on-screen magnifier? I relied mm. a lot on that because I need to, uh, you know, I was, need to see what I'm typing. Right. It's great for the accessibility features. It's great for what it does, but for me, I just want a, I just want a magnified portion of the screen, not the whole thing. And uh, so the the uh, the trick of pressing the control key and and zoom or the uh, command and much, zooming. Yeah, yes, yeah, too much. Me, it it, it, it it does the whole screen. Yeah, it, it gives me headache, and it you know it disorientates me. Right. I just want no, to. That's mind- interesting because the because uh, I think a lot of people consider Apple's accessibility a model for the rest of the industry. Um, so nothing in the universal access uh, helps you. No, I've contacted so many people. I've contacted Apple UK, Apple US. Uh, I've contacted the RNIB, which is a charity over here. I've contacted yourself. <laughs> I've emailed you. Because I actually wrote, I've actually wrote to Steve Jobs, and let's face it, that's a waste of time. <laughs> uh, all he ever says is, yep, nope. He's like a cowboy. Yep. And um, so I've emailed. Well, I'm going to send you to a page. The Twit Army has come through again, Kareem. Oh. Uh, I don't know if if you know of this page or uh, if it will have something to help you, but it's a site called VisionAware.org. VisionAware. And VisionAware.org. I'll put this in the show notes, uh, and it has a uh, page on screen magnification software because a third party solution might be the solution for you. Yeah. And it looks like they have a number of, um, uh, let's see, magic for Apple users. Um, there's a ma- there's actually physical magnifiers, zoom text. Yeah, this isn't that that all that helpful actually. Uh, it's for Windows. It's not for Mac, huh? Yeah. It's, um, hmm. Window. They they make it more for Windows because obviously it's more. Well, yeah. And the other thing is that Apple, in a way, has preempted a company that might do a screen magnifier by building in this kind of one-size-fits-all solution where you hold down the control key and you scroll the mouse scroll wheel, that'll zoom in and zoom out. But if it's not what you're looking for, uh, it's not a great uh, solution. Dark Crayon 1 says uh, there's a program called Virtual Magnifying Glass. That's more like what you want, isn't it, Kareem? 
Uh, I think I may have tried that, but I can try uh, it again. All right. I'll tell you what, I, I don't know if you can use the chat room, but if you can, hang out in there and maybe we will uh, be able to find an answer for you in the chat room. I do love I do love the Mac, though, but I'm on the verge of uh, sending it back to them, actually. Cause, uh, yeah, I do love it, though. It's a beautiful machine. It's just, it's not, it, it's at 95% for me right now for using Yeah. It. And I want it to be, and they, and, and I know Apple want it to be 100%, and I want it to be. Right. Sure. Can I, can I ask you two more things just really quickly? Certainly. Um, I've I, got I, one minute. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, I asked the screener that how would I go about getting your autograph? <laughs> <laughs> Hang on the line, Kareem, and I'll get, uh, I don't know, is it Gina uh, in the uh, I think. answering the phone today? Hang on the line, I'll get Gina to get your address, and I'll send you one. That's true for anybody. I'm, I'm such a huge fan. I don't know. I don't know if I can make it out to the cottage, you see, but I'm just a huge fan. <laughs> oh, I'd love it if you do. Someday, will you, please, Kareem? The other thing you could do if you have something you want me to sign is you mail it to me, P.O. Box one zero one eight, Petaluma, California, nine four nine five two, USA, and we'll send it back to you. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Once again, the Tech Guy Army to the rescue. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. And uh, uh, it, no, I don't have his name. Somebody in the chat room said there is a program that should do the job for you in the App Store. So, Kareem, you might check this out. And, you know, usually accessibility programs are really expensive. $3.99. If you search for Zoom in the Mac App Store, because you have to be using Snow Leopard to use the snow to use the uh, App Store. You'll find a program by Stephen Goodman for $4, $3.99. was that, a couple of pounds? And it looks like it does kind of what you would like it to do. It's, it's kind of like a, a photographer's loop. Uh, and it will zoom out the screen, controllable in terms of size and so forth. This seems like a, a pretty good choice for, uh, for, I think, for what you want. Anyway, it's worth a try, and at that price, I love this. So you, you can hover it over text or an image, and it will just look like a, a little magnification of that, uh, of that text or of that image. And you can control the size and so forth. I think that will do it. But, you know, the other thing to consider is that in most programs, you can make the font bigger. For instance, in a browser, this is true on Windows or Mac, but uh, on the Macintosh in a browser, you press Command plus or minus. And it will zoom the browser page uh, by increasing fonts and so forth. So you're saying you like to uh, you like to read, but you need to you need to see better. You need those text the text to be bigger. So um, this this is actually what I do because as I get older, I find it hard to read text. Now a lot of times these websites are designed by twenty year old kids with perfect vision. Gosh darn them all, and I can't see a thing. <laughs> so. Uh, I'll go to a website, and then if you press Command Plus, it kind of resizes the uh, website. Hmm. There, Ooh, whoops. 
a little too big. Command minus uh, shrinks it. And then command zero makes it normal. So you can quickly get back. So if you are on a, you know, if it's web pages you want, you can scroll to the part of the web page you want to see and then command plus to zoom into it. And I find it does a pretty good job of reformatting text. Most web pages do pretty well with this. The images get bigger and everything. So it's a nice way to zoom in. You're not zooming in the screen, just the contents of the browser. And again, command zero to get it back. So command plus, minus, and zero. Might be another solution for you, Kareem. It's great talking to you. Uh, Diane in Santa Barbara, California. You're next. Hi, Diane. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Hey, um, I have a new line of work that occasionally I need to email documents, i.e. my um, passport, and um, goes to different um, sources. And I was just wondering, what's the best way to um, to send that? What what format is the best? I'm not really... I would say, you know, you, you know, most people can handle a JPEG or a ping. Uh, there are, these are graphic file formats, but generally when I send documents like that, I send them as PDFs and most scanners will scan right to a PDF. In fact, I carry with me whenever I travel on my computer and also on other, other devices like my iPhone, a PDF of my passport. Very handy if you ever lose your passport to have a copy of it. So, um... Yeah, because it needs to be verified, and I, you know, and I'm just curious if you know. PDF is essentially a picture of it. It just can be read by almost anybody, and it scales, which is nice. The problem with a with a, a JPEG or a, a ping is it's whatever size it is. But a PDF, you could scan it at a fairly high resolution, and if they want to zoom in and check your signature or check that watermark on the passport, or for some reason they need to look at it more closely, they can do that very easily on a PDF, and any computer can handle. That format, it's it's it literally stands for portable document format. Portable meaning it could be moved to anywhere and uh, will work. So that that's generally my recommendation for uh, first for documents. The other nice thing about PDFs, uh, if if you have a form, is that uh, on both Windows and Mac you can often annotate the PDF, pop a signature in it, for instance, or add text, uh, and then save it out as a PDF and. Um, and, and make a new document that you can then send on. So I, I love the PDF file format. came from Adobe, but it's now so widely used. In fact, uh, I, this is a rumor, but I think it's true. You know, Macintosh for a long time has had the ability uh, to make any document into a PDF by just printing it. And one of the printers, one of the choices is print to PDF. Uh, so then you have a, a file that would look exactly the same as a printable file that you can bring around and print from that. And it's be exactly the same if you, as if you printed locally. Uh, Windows has never had that capability. You've had to download additional software to do that. The rumor is Windows 8 will have uh, PDF reading and printing built into it to give them parity with uh, the Macintosh. And that's good. I think that's a good thing. 8888, Oscar Leo. That's the phone number. And next is David, somewhere in the great state of Texas. Hey, David, Leo Laporte. Hi, Leo. How are you? Pretty good. Yeah. Sounds like you got a tale of woe for me. Well, not exactly, but we just got our first HD TV, and the SD quality isn't all that good at all. It's awful, probably. Yeah, worse yeah. than the TV that we have now. Yeah. So this is very, very common complaint with HD TVs because the quality of the of the new monitor is so high, you see flaws in the standard definition you never saw in your old tube TV. The reason is the tube TV kind of softens everything, so you don't see those jaggy lines. You don't see how poor the image quality is. It's also probably not as big as your HD TV. 
So the HDTV is a very high-resolution monitor. It's blowing it up. You watch I Love Lucy, you go, this looks terrible. In all honesty, in, in truth, it isn't any worse than it ever was. It's not making it worse. You just see it more. So what do we do? Well, uh, uh, many good TVs, Blu-ray players, DVD players, and other devices can do something called upscaling. They use computer hardware, something called a DSP, a digital signal processing chip, to process the low-quality SD, standard definition video, and clean it up so that it looks better. In fact, a lot of times, if you're watching a standard DVD on your big screen HD TV, those, those standard DVDs are not as high resolution as HD. But if you have an upscaling DVD player, it looks pretty darn good. It may look close to D, HD quality. And that's because there is a chip and software in that TV set that does that. Some less expensive flat screen TVs do not do a good job with standard definition video because they don't have this kind of upscaling. They don't have the signal processing, um, especially the less expensive ones. And so that is, has always been something I've recommended. Uh, less so now because there's so much HD content, but in the early days of HD TVs, I always told people, please watch I Love Lucy, watch The Honeymooners, watch some old TV show on that and make sure you can live with it because you're going to see defects. They've always been there, but you just never saw because your TV wasn't good enough. Uh, and if that TV that you're considering buying doesn't do a, a job, a good job of cleaning it up, if it really is intolerably bad, uh, you might you might want to consider a different HDTV. You've already bought yours. Uh, I'll tell you one thing to make sure you turn off is any zooming or stretching because that's going to make it look even worse. Your your standard definition TV is a 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Your, your HDTV is 16 by 9, so there should be black bars on the left and right of the standard definition picture. If you're stretching it out, it's going to take a bad picture and make it even worse by stretching it or zooming it. So do turn that off. Uh, that will be in the menu setting on your television set. And in most cases, it will say, on my, my uh, Pioneer, it says dot by dot. Uh, there'll usually be some setting that means just don't upscale or don't stretch the uh, SD signal. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my... Who is it brought to you by, Luis? Oh, by Carbonite.com. Backup done right. Check it out right now. You can try it free for uh, two weeks. Just go to Carbonite.com. You don't need a credit card. Just my name, Leo. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number, 888-827-5536. Talk about kooky. We have some great uh, visitors in the studio today. We have, we have the studio is kind of an open uh, studio. I so far nobody's taken any pot shots at me, so I figure it's safe. So far, 
Um, but we've got uh, Jan who's in here. Callie uh, is helping Jan celebrate his birthday uh, surprise, which is so cool. Callie brought uh, Jan by for his birthday. Happy birthday, Jan. He's a program, computer programmer, pro programmer. And amazingly enough, so is Cameron, who's a, a physician, actually a public health physician in the San Bernardino, but he's up here visiting, and he's also a pro programmer. In fact, now this is nuts. This is nuts. Uh, I guess... Well, that's all right. I think what's interesting is that, Cameron, you apparently you're a vintage computer fan because you brought the Kim 1 computer in here, which is from the late 70s, and you don't, you refuse to use OS 10. You only well, use... I, uh, I, I have OS 10 Mac, but I like... He's using I System like 9 on, uh, <laughs> on here on a, uh, on a G5 uh, laptop or a G4 laptop. So uh, I guess if you run old operating systems, one of the things you might want to do is have a command line based program for Twitter. Uh, sure. Of course you would. So um, it's called, I'll tell everybody, so maybe people will download this from you. Just Google TTY, T-T-E-R. You ha- you, you, it runs on a Mac because it's written in Perl. So you, you, know, you want to you wanna run it in Perl here. And there it is. Welcome to TTY, T-T-E-R. And you have to, apparently, this is good. You have OAuth written into it and everything. All is done in Perl. So you have to uh, log into your <laughs> Twitter account on the command line. Now, that's just retro fun. That's just retro fun. I wonder if, in a few years, there'll be a whole generation of computer users who say, Command what? You have to do what? Type? You mean you just can't click it? It's a good thing, actually, to know the command line because, well, there's times it's very useful. And one of the reasons I actually like Mac computers is is a pretty geeky one. You know, everybody thinks that, oh, the reason people like Macs is because they're easy to use. No, the reason I like Mac, and I think one of the reasons a lot of programmers like Cameron and Jan like Macs, is because it's really Unix and it comes with a command line terminal. And you can type these geeky little Unix commands in here and do so much. They're so powerful. I just love it. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number. 888-827-5536. Frank, Tampa. What can I do for you, Frank? Hello. How you doing? I'm well. What's up? Hey, yeah. I had a couple of questions. Uh, first, I'm watching you uh, on my Roku on Twit Live. I'm enjoying that. Uh, now, are you, you must be using Justin.tv to do that. I am, yes. Uh, last yeah. week I was trying to figure out how to add the program on, and your chat room saved me and gave me... They're great. Don't forget the chat room. They're fabulous. People just go to techguylabs.com and click the chat link and join them in there. Yeah, we uh, we used to stream it. Uh, we have our own Twit application on Roku, and we used to stream, but it got very expensive. Fortunately, Justin.tv also has a channel, and they we cut off our own live streaming until we could find a streaming partner, hint, hint. But uh, until that time comes along... Uh, somebody will pay for all that bandwidth. Uh, the good news is Justin does it for free, and it's a it's a just add the uh, Twit channel to your Justin.tv player on your Roku, and that's cool. Are you watching us on a big screen? I am. Yeah. Now I have to say, our last caller was saying how bad standard definition video looks on his big screen, but we are standard definition video. This is not a high def picture, but it but it looks okay to you. Yeah. Um. I do have one limitation right now. I have a much older HD set with a DVI input, and the Roku um, doesn't quite support. They have like a, a selection for 1080p, 
720p, and my DVI is 1080i, and I have a component that's 480p, but I don't have either one that'll go in and give me, you know, the true true high def. Yeah, it's funny because 1080i is true high def, and uh, in fact, that is the high def signal you mostly get uh, if you watch cable, you know, HD cable channels. That's almost always 1080i. Very few do p. Uh, and so your TV set should auto-sense it and, and respond appropriately. Yeah, strangely enough, uh, like I have a PlayStation 3, I have a cable uh, uh, high-def box. I put them through an HDMI in, electronic switch, and they play into the DVI just fine. But when I do the Roku, I, I get a blank screen. You have a late model Roku, or is it a... The latest, model? I got the... yeah the so It's an HDMI Roku, yeah. That's uh, that should be 720p. I don't think it's 1080. They they've promised a 1080 upgrade, but I don't think they've shipped that yet. So I think it's still 720p. But your TV again, seven the high def is defined to be one of two, either 1080i or 720p. A signal in either of those should be interpreted and handled by any HD TV automatically. Yeah, um, I was surprised. Uh... And I tried all the settings on the Roku. I set the That's weird. setting. I did the 720p setting, and I tried the uh, component video input because I have an adapt. You have to find an adapter cable for it. Right. Regular three on one end, and their proprietor connector on the other. And I tried it into the DVI, and uh, none of it worked. I can play it into the component input, but then I got to set it up uh, as anamorphic, which is standard definition widescreen or four three. Right. And anamorphic is, uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to go too far down this road. If you want to call tomorrow, I'm sure Scott Wilkinson can uh, point you in the right direction. I'm not sure exactly what's going on. It, it's probably a setting somewhere, but that isn't what you called about, is it? No, no. Actually, it's not. But thank you, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll ask Scott. He's a. I'm pretty sure he uses a Roku, so he might have a solution for you. Okay, excellent. Good. So my actual question is, um, my. Uh, my internet service is provided by a cable company. I subscribe to 20 megabit downloads. And uh, the modem they use is a combined modem uh, wireless router. It's a Netgear, a CGD24G. Um, what I was wondering, if I went out and bought a wireless, I'm sorry, it's a wireless G router. If I bought a wireless N router and plugged it into one of the ports on that, would I get in and out or would that, where that cable router keep it? Keep no, no, it'd be fine. No, it'd be fine. The N and the G only refers to the wireless portion of it. Okay, so I can plug it straight into that. Their yeah, absolutely. The land is in the same box, so, so I can just plug right into it, transmit out. Absolutely. Would that help the quality in streaming, even though I'm like 20 megabit downloads? Would that make any difference? Uh, well, oh, yes, wired is always better. Than wireless, you may have twenty megabit downloads. You're, you're, uh, I mean, uh, you're getting twenty megabit on your wireless. No, I'm subscribing to twenty megabit. Yeah, yeah, you're not getting it on your wireless. Yeah. I'm so not- unless, I mean, N could conceivably go and, and supposedly go that fast, but in general, wireless is usually considerably less than the nominal rated speed. So my my suggestion is, if you want, if you're using a Roku or watching streaming television. And it's and it's buffering a lot. It's pausing a lot when you're watching it on Wi-Fi. Absolutely, go wired. It will be much better 
The reason people use the Wi-Fi, the reason the Roku box and other boxes for your TV come with Wi-Fi is most people, you know, you can't always have an Ethernet port in your cable modem or your or your DSL modem right next to your television set. Uh, so if, you, if that's not the case, then wireless is a great way to go. But yeah, wired is always better. And you will get the, you should get your full rated speed from your internet service provider if you use a wire. Wireless is always a lot slower. And there's other issues that happen with wireless, like, like interference. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's my number. We've got one more segment to go. Guess who's coming up? Dick D. Bartolo, the Gizwiz. Stay right here. Aboard the Tech High. Waning moments of the Tech Guy show. And I don't know why, but every time we're waning, Dick DiBartolo <laughs> shows up. He's the <laughs> He's the Gizwiz. And Mad Magazine's maddest writer and a gadget hound. Hello, Dickie D. Leo, you that was perfect lead-in. You said it's waning and gadget hound. Yeah. Because for today's gadget, I'm going to talk about fairways thunder shirt now we should explain (laughs) fairway is a dog uh in fact you got fairway at the um that's that's not fairway and that other (laughs) other guy that wasn't (laughs) it's a dog oh there's now there's two of you fairway is the dog that you picked up at the fairway supermarket yes and she is a little not on sale there there was a booth outside she was on sale yeah New, new leash on life, and, and that's that's where. Fairway and so you came gave from. Fairway a new leash, yeah. and and, she uh, and she's a little afraid of thunder and lightning. A little when it's thunder, and and the reason I I picked this for today's gadget is anybody who saw the ABC piece and has a dog goes, does that thing really work? And yes. So if it thunders, and uh, and Fairway's nickname is Weather Girl, uh-huh. so. If uh, the weather says uh, bright and sunny today and not a cloud in the sky and, and I'll say fairway, fairway, where are I? and fairways in the bathroom trying to push away behind the toilet. <laughs> she knows. I know the weatherman is wrong she knows. and there will be a storm within four hours. Okay. Yeah. And she has a, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so the thunder she, shirt is, a, is designed to help. The thunder shirt. It, it's a very simple little uh, coat that can go on in about 10 seconds. It's all Velcro. And, you know, I spoke to the, one of the inventors and they said, you know, it's, it's when people are frightened, if no one is around to hug you, you hug yourself. Right. And so I do that all the time. I'm a self hugger. Oh, at lunch, I kept saying, Leo, will you eat something? So I can't let go. I just, I can't, I I love hugging myself. (laughs) So it's embarrassing, Leo, to have to feed you in a public restaurant. I didn't mind it at your house, but I don't like it when we go out in public. Uh, just a just a, a word in your ear. Uh, yes, so this evidently gives them a feeling of confidence because when I saw her disappear, I said, Fairway, I have something new for you. So Fairway likes anything with the word new. So she came running out. She's literally put- a gadget hound. Oh, excellent. Yes. Excellent. So she she puts it on and she stands there and I figure, oh, she's not going to go back in the bathroom. So it starts thundering and she walks 
and stands in the doorway of the bathroom looking out, not hiding. And then she walks out and then she stays out during the storm. And the second thunderstorm uh, was dinner time. Wait a minute, she, 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 actually, she, she doesn't care that it's lightning and thunder? Care. She does not care. I, on the other hand, was behind the toilet. It was a very bad storm. <laughs> So no, it has really worked well. Now I noticed one day when I went, went out to the store, she went and sat in the doorway of the bathroom. So it gives her confidence, especially if I'm home, but she doesn't try to get in the tub or try and push her way behind the toilet. So it definitely works. This is a really interesting idea. Now I'm told that uh, people like Temple Grandin, who's an animal behaviorist, uses has used these kinds of things for larger animals, for uh, for livestock and and so forth. And so this is something that I guess all animals, they just feel better if they're, uh, well, babies. You swaddle babies too, yeah, right? Yeah, you do. You you absolutely do. I'm, and, in fact, uh, my wife swaddles me every night before we go to bed. So yeah, I know it works. Too. Now I know why you don't invite people to oh, the home. Let me out of here. Let me out of here. So that's cool. Now how much is the Thunder uh, shirt? Thunder- Thunder shirt is $36 and you buy it by chest size. So, um, so I would be, I would be say a 42 regular. You would be, uh, a German shepherd, (laughs) St. Bernard, uh, St. Bernard, (laughs) uh, somewhere in that range. Thundershirt.com. This is not an ad. Dick is this Dick is just a, I guess a confirmed user uh, as a pet owner. And I know you're an animal lover, so you would never do anything that you thought was cruel in any way. No, not not me, pal. No, Thundershirt. Wow, Thundershirt. Dick uh, is online. In fact, you find out more about the Thundershirt on his website, gizwiz.biz. There's a lot of, uh, actually, a lot of uh, gadgets there. And he and does. And this is the very last day. If you're listening, it's the end of the month, the, April. T- the end April of the month, thirtieth, midnight, midnight. Uh, and uh, you could play the What the Heck Is It contest, a chance to win an autographed copy of Mad from this guy who's Mad Magazine's maddest writer. Uh, yes, sir. And you just have to, what do you have to do? You have to say what this uh, thing is. Just, just go there, click on the What the Heck Is It in a, the little logo that Myra designed. Guess what it is? We prefer you make up a stupid answer as to what it is, and we give away 12 uh, Mad Magazine's autographed if you know what it really is. And up to 24 Mad Magazines for stupid, silly answers. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Dick. Always good to talk to you. Stay tuned. We're uh, going to, right after the radio show, Dick and I are going to do our regular uh, weekly daily Gizwiz show. Good. It's still on. I'm thrilled. It makes its own gravy. <laughs> well, one more week anyway. Thank you, Dick. Oh, no. uh, okay. I'll see you next time. Meanwhile, friend- oh, wait a minute. I give a chance to say his patented tagline. I'll be here. Yeah, now he's done. Uh, Meanwhile, I'd like to mention our friends at Carbonite.com. If it's time for you to back up your data, it's time to go and get a free 15-day trial of Carbonite. You are backing up. You you are backing up. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. Well, now you really have to run. Don't walk to Carbonite.com. Carbonite's automatic, so you don't have to remember to back up. It just does it for you whenever you're online, and it uses encryption so that your data is private. You can even encrypt it additionally uh, so that nobody can see it except you. That's really nice for privacy's sake. But it's also cloud storage. It means it's always available to you. Your data, you can get to it anywhere. As long as you can log on to your Carbonite account with your computer or your smartphone, there's your stuff. 
And should disaster strike, it's trivial, simple to restore everything with the press of a button. It's just real peace of mind. I want you to try it free for 15 days. Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo, as the offer code. If you do decide you like it, and I want you to try before you buy. It's, uh, I think, always a good idea. If you decide this is for me, then you'll get 14 months for the price of 12 when you use my name, Leo. Two free months. Carbonite.com. Unlimited backup for your PC or Mac with anywhere, anytime access, $59 a year. And two months free when you use my name, Leo, at Carbonite.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I've got a few more minutes. Let's see if we can get a few more calls in here before I have to uh, vacate the airwaves. Mike's in Los Angeles. Hey, Mike. Hello, Michael. Are you there? Hmm. I don't think so, says Luis. So let's try Freddie in Los Angeles. Freddie, you're next. Hi, Freddie. Oh, hi, Leo. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for calling. Hey, I just got my first uh, tablet. I got an iPad 2, and I'm loving it so far. But I'm having some uh, trouble when I sync um, my photos and my my videos to it. Yeah, you would think that Apple wouldn't let you move a file over that it couldn't play. So if it should, it should be that if it syncs on iTunes, it'll play on the iPad. I found that's not the case. No, uh, my my photo albums, uh, all the photos uh, transfer over with no problems, but the videos right on there are are not transferring over. And yeah, the videos are unfortunately encoded in a way that the uh, Macintosh can play or the Windows PC can play, but not that the iPad. The iPad is much more limited in the kinds of video it can play. Uh, so, so remedy for this? Yeah, of course. Where'd you get the video? Uh, they're they're from my either from my point and shoot camera or from oh okay LR. Right. So um, if you were buying it on iTunes, of course it would play on everything. But because it's video that you've made yourself, it's in a it's probably close enough that iTunes doesn't realize that the iPad can't play it, but not quite close enough so that the iPad can play it. There's a I mentioned this before. There's a great free program I really like called Handbrake, H-A-N-D-B-R-A-K-E, Handbrake.fr. It's a, it's a, it's a desktop program. So you'll, when, you in, when you download your uh, photo, I'm sorry, your videos from your camera, you'll run it through Handbrake, and it has a preset for the iPad. So you'll click the preset for the iPad. Handbrake will very quickly convert it to a form the iPad can read, then and, you know, add it to your iTunes, and when it syncs, it'll play just fine. Yeah, I, now, now, oh, wait a minute. Knox Harrington's telling me something. I wish I'd known. I should have said this. I didn't realize this. There, in the advanced menu of iTunes, there is a Make iPad Version menu item, and that's what you're going to tell me, wasn't it, Jan? I saw Jan typing real quick. It's in iTunes. Click Advanced, and the Make iPad Version of your videos. You're done. I am too. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week. <laughs> <laughs> 